Hey everyone, it is your host, Nathan Rapaka. I would like to welcome you to the Slice Podcast, and I hope everyone's doing well today. It's a really ugly day in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's raining, it's cold. Um, You know, uh, the winter is coming upon us, and you know, also the holidays. We are four days away from Christmas. Um, I'm really excited. I will be flying back to New Jersey to visit my family. And I haven't seen them in, in a lot, in many months, actually, since the summer. So I'm really excited to go back home for um, for a good amount of time and just really, you know, spend time with the family and uh, get back to my roots, see all my old friends. So excited for that. I also hope that everyone else is uh, going to have a great holiday, holidays with their family and friends. Um, I, I hope everyone is staying safe as well. You know, I I know the vaccine has been rolling out and things are starting to kind of move in the right direction. So I'm really excited to see uh, what goes on in the next couple of months with this virus. And, you know, I'm really hoping we can get back to uh, going outside normally, going to bars, going to restaurants without fear. Um, Obviously, the biggest thing for me as an avid sports fan is really going back to organized sports, you know, going to the arena, um, watching um, live basketball, watching Bucks games here in Milwaukee would be really awesome. So, you know, definitely uh, looking forward to see what happens in the next couple months. But anyways, today, uh, you know, I know I said we were going to do some WTA stuff, and I I did record a WTA episode, but I thought it was a little bit too uh, unorganized, and it was kind of a rough draft, and, you know, I feel like I need to redo it. That's why um, I'm doing this episode instead, because I felt this is a topic that we need to talk about right now. You know, I, I was I was laying down on my bed and, and, you know, I was reading the news today. Novak Djokovic is um, 300 weeks, the number one player consecutively. So he needs 10 more weeks of being no one to, to tie Roger Federer as um, the most weeks at the number one ranking. Federer is at 310. Djokovic was, is at 300. And I think Rafa is at 286, if I'm not mistaken. So today we're going to do the GOAT debates. We're going to talk about the big three of tennis, the three most dominant players since 2004 and today. So there have been only 10 men who have won a Grand Slam singles title in 16 years. And the the thing is... um, you know, the women's game is so sporadic. You know, there have been 27 women in the last 16 years who've achieved Grand Slams compared to the versus the 10. That just show you the, shows you the dominance of the men's game by three individuals. Um, you know, obviously people say, oh, Serena Williams, um, uh, she won uh, 17 uh, Grand Slams in the last 67 Slams. But that's still left out 26 women who have won 50 slams. So it's a very decent spread within the women's game. There's a lot of different people who win titles. A lot of um, people you wouldn't expect to win titles because the women's game is so competitive. It is literally anyone can win. You can face a qualifier in the first round and it will go for three sets. And I'd be like, wow, like the women's game, anyone can win. But on the men's game, there are three men who have literally shared the slams. Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic. In the last 67 Grand Slam titles, 
these three men have won 56 of the 67, which is ridiculous, the dominance um, of uh, the big three. And, you know, when we look at them now, right, today is December 21st, 2020. Novak Djokovic has 17 Grand Slams, which are the big four Grand Slams of tennis. For those people who are tuning into the podcast and don't understand what that means is, so in football, basketball, you have the Super Bowl, you have the uh, NBA Finals, you have the World Series in baseball, Stanley Cup in hockey. For tennis, we have four big major titles. So we have like four, imagine four NBA Finals, like big NBA Finals. So we start off in January with the Australian Open every year, which is played in Melbourne. Then we go in May to the French Open, which is called Roland Garros, which is played in Paris, France, which is a clay championship. And then we go in the summer, around, I would say, July, June, end of June, July, and we go to Wimbledon, which is in London, which is a grass court championship. And then to end off the year into the fall in September, we have the U.S. Open, which is played in my backyard, Flushing Meadows, New York City, Queens. So those are the four big majors, and those, are, those tournaments really showcase the GOAT conversation. Those are our four NBA finals in the year. Those are our four, you know, Super Bowls. So, you know, um, the recent title, the recent race, Federer has been owning. You know, he's had 20 grand slam, but recently we saw Nadal's dominant victory over Djokovic at the French Open final, um, which was amazing. He won 6-0, and he ended up matching Federer for 20 slam titles. You know, and as a Federer fan, when that day happened, I... I felt bittersweet, you know, on one end, I was like, man, you know, Federer's my favorite player. Uh, He has inspired me throughout my young age to my grown up life now. And, but at the same time, you know, seeing his bitter, our bitter rivals, Nadal and Federer are rivals, but they're good rivals. You know what I mean? They don't have bad blood. They're really good friends off the tour. It's not just that they're rivals. They're actually good rivals. Like they support each other's um, charitable causes. I know Feder um, was was one of the spokespersons at Rafa Nadal's opening at the Rafa Yell Nadal Tennis Academy in Mallorca. So they are they are very good friends. They have that amazing respect for each other off and on the court. So they're friends. Unfortunately, Djokovic um, Djokovic started riding into prominence really. In 2011, that 2011 season where he destroyed everyone. Before that, Djokovic was known as someone who was a weak, mentally weak player. He was still like a great player. Don't get me wrong. He was like top five in the world. He was three actually, but he would always lose to Djokovic and he would always lose to Nadal, Federer and stuff. And what really changed for him was his diet. He decided to go gluten-free. He changed up his serve formation because one of the big, um, one of the big uh, mistakes Djokovic did, one of his cons was his serve. He would double fault a lot. He would not. Um, he was just a mess on the serve. And it's funny because Novak won his first title in 2007. Let me repeat that again. Novak Djokovic won his first title in 2007, 13 years ago at the Australian Open. He beat Joe Wilfred Sanga. In a great final, four sets, he actually 
uh, destroyed Federer in three sets um, in the semifinals that year. Everyone thought Federer was going to go and sweep, uh, but that didn't end up happening. So there was always potential for Novak, but as the years rolled on after 2007, he had a lot of injuries. He was very unfit on court. He he was known for retiring matches, and actually Federer placed a lot of criticism on Novak about why is this guy always retiring? Why is he always complaining? So everyone would always think he was kind of like a girl, like always, like not a girl, but always complaining for every little thing. Like, why are you crying about every little thing? Like, so that's what the criticism was Novak. And then all of a sudden in 2010, towards the latter part of the year, he had the big, big win against Federer in the 2010, um, semifinals to face Nadal in the finals that year. He ended up losing to Nadal in the finals, but he had a very good semifinal match against Roger Federer. If people don't remember, um, it was uh, an amazing uh, final. Um, he uh, Federer ended up uh, beating, uh, I mean, Djokovic ended up beating Federer in a big five-set thriller um, he won five seven six one five seven six two seven five. Um, Federer had a two sets to one lead, um, and it, it was it was crazy how he won that match. Um, it was a very big match for uh, Novak, and that really kind of sparked everything. Um, Federer blew a break point in that match, and you know that really started the whole Djokovic trend. And then two thousand eleven. Djokovic took the tour by storm. If people, for those non-tennis fans, um, he took, oh my God, he literally took the world by storm. The Novak Djokovic tennis season is widely regarded as the greatest season ever in men's tennis. Novak Djokovic that year, first of all, his calendar prize money was over $13 million dollars. He was 70 and 6 on the year win loss record ratio. So that's a 92% win percentage. He had 10 titles on the year. He ended the ranking year end no one. And out of the four Grand Slams, he won three. He won the Australian Open, Wimbledon, and U.S. Open. What a year. Um, you know, uh, he end he also ended that year with an impressive. 10 to 1 record against Nadal and Roger Federer combined. Um, he had a great year. I just crazy how good he did that year. I mean, you know, he ended up um beating Roger Federer in a semifinal, destroyed him. I still remember that match. Then he beat Andy, the great Andy Murray, in a amazing final, which he won. Um, great job for him. Uh and Djokovic ended up winning the Indians Wells Masters. He ended up winning Miami. Um, he had a great Miami tournament. Um, he ended up winning Rome, Madrid, I think, if I'm not mistaken. The French Open, he lost to Nadal. Um, no, in the French Open, he lost to Federer in the semifinals, which actually broke his big streak. So Novak was on an undisputed streak. He had a 43-match win streak. And he had a chance to win the calendar year Grand Slam, which pretty much means you win all four slams in one year. It's never been done in the men's game. And Federer ended up actually beating the streak. It was a very good match. It was a close four-set match. Federer went, ended up going on to win the uh, 
ended up going on to the final to face uh, Nadal. And it was actually a good showing by Federer. He did really well for what experts were saying this was going to be a blowout. So great job to him for that. But then, you know, once again, uh, Djokovic came back, <laughs> beat uh, Nadal in the final. Four sets destroyed him. He ended up winning in, ter- in ca- Canada in the Masters, Canadian Masters. He won in Cincinnati, if I'm not – or no, he ended up losing in Cincinnati to Mari due to injury. And then finally, he played Federer for the fifth year in a row. Federer took the first two sets, two sets to love. Djokovic ended up storming back into the fifth set. Federer had two match points. And Djokovic, I still remember the moment Djokovic was hyping up the crowd. The crowd was saying, boo. They're they having Federer on his back. Federer choked two match points and ended up losing the match. And uh, Djokovic um, played Nadal again in the final and destroyed him. So it was one of the best final years for this man ever. Um, and then in the ATP World Tour finals, Federer ended up winning the final. But um, Novak did not do that well. I think he had an injury as well. So... Ever since then, Djokovic has been very dominant. Um, 2017 and 2018, he wasn't as dominant due to injury and personal problems going on within um, his life, unfortunately. You know, he just had a baby. Um, he was trying to figure out the tour. And he also had his elbow injury, which has been a nagging injury for Djokovic these last couple of years. But he came back again in twenty end of 2018-19 and just destroyed the game again. He became number one. So... As of right now, I, that was a little quick recap on Djokovic's rise to fame. Um, Federer and Nadal, I'm not going to get into go back from 2003 and really recap their career because I think it's not that important. We've known what they've done. But Djokovic, I just wanted to kind of put some light on how his dominance really occurred. In 2011, from 11 to 2020, he's won 16 Grand Slams in that short amount of time. Um in Federer's career, he won his first in, what, 2003. So in 17 years, think about this. In 17 years, Federer has won 20 Grand Slams, right? Djokovic has won a, in, a span of, in a span of 13 years. So it's from 2007 to 2020, 13 years he's, since his first Grand Slam. He's won 16 more in that time frame. So this man has the ability to win even more past Federer. So just by the data, we can see Djokovic's trend is going even more upwards. It's actually looking to pass Federer ultimately. So the way it's looking right now, Novak's got 17. Okay. And we're going to break down Novak's dominance from each Grand Slam. Okay. So in... The Australian Open, the Australian Open for Novak Djokovic, he's won eight, correct? He's won eight Australian Open crowns. He is the Australian Open king um, to a lot of people because he's got the most. So he is considered the king of the Australian Open. Other than that, every other title, so he's won in 2014, 2015, 2011, 2019. He's also got, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's got five Wimbledon, Novak, and actually, it's it sounds embarrassing. He's being Federer in three finals. So, <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, he is really rolling right now, uh, Novak, uh, as far as uh, his uh, championships. Um, yeah, Novak Djokovic is one of the greatest players of all time, guys, and he is making a case for being the greatest player to ever live, unfortunately. Um, I hate saying that as a Fetter fan because, man, I really am not the biggest Novak fan just because, I mean, people like hating on him. And I'll be honest, I am a Novak hater, man. I really don't like Novak Djokovic. And it's because he's literally taken so many precious moments away from Federer. And that really hurts my feelings because Roger is my favorite player. And Roger literally could have beat him so many times if he just didn't choke, man. But, you know, all props to that man. I mean, he's just too good, man. And look, he's got eight Australian Opens. He's got one French, five Wimbledon, and three U.S. Opens. So he's got a very, across all categories, he's doing pretty well. He's very um, consistent. Five Nito ATP finals. So what does that mean, guys? At the end of the year, tennis has the end of the year um, finals, which determines, um, you know, who's won the end of the year title, who's going to end up being the number one ranked player of the year. So Novak has won five of those ATP finals. So I would put that ATP finals as um, it's pretty much the grand slam for the three sets. So in tennis, we play five and three sets. So for the grand slams, it's five sets. For the Masters and any other small tournament, it's three sets. So the ATP finals is a three-set traditional tennis match, and it's on a hard court, and it's indoor. Federer has won six of those, by the way. Nadal's won zero. So this is where the GOAT debate really hurts Nadal. Um, It's the zero ATP finals that really hurt Nadal. Um, He has not won an ATP final. He's went to a couple finals, but he, for some reason, is not good on the indoor courts. He's never been good on the indoor courts. And a lot of that, I think, is due to how fast the indoor courts plays. Because you got to take into account, in an in indoor court, um, it's very fast-paced. There's no wind. There's no circumstances to really mess up the ball. So it's literally the perfect, perfect scenario for a tennis player to play on an indoor court. Imagine pretty much playing with no circumstances, no wind. It's like you're playing basketball indoor. Like in the NBA, for example – you know, when you're playing basketball in the NBA, you're indoor. There's there's no wind to affect your shot. There's really nothing to affect you. You know, you're playing in a perfect setting. For But when you're playing in a pickup game outside, like we used to do back in my neighborhood playing basketball when we were kids, we would play on some really windy days. That would really affect your shot. It would affect the temperature can affect how you're feeling that day. So in tennis, this is why I say tell people tennis is such a difficult sport. So when people say, oh, tennis is really easy, it's really not an easy sport. There are so many facets to tennis you have to realize. And that's why in the game, we have specialists, right? So Rafael Nadal is known to be a clay specialist. Hence why he's got 13 out of his 20 grand slams on a clay court. There's a reason for that because Nadal likes playing on more slow surfaces. It fits his game. He's got more time to attack the ball and tire out the opponent because he's an ultra-aggressive player and he's defensive. So that's when Nadal thrives in those courts. 
As for Federer, the reason he's won six Nito ATP finals and he's won eight of his 20 Grand Slams on the grass is because Roger likes the fast-paced courts. If the court is playing fast for Roger, he's going to win. Most of the time, he's winning a match. And it's so difficult to play Roger on those type of courts because his serve is so unpredictable and he's always rushing the points. It's like he does 50 second service games like there are youtube videos there's matches where everyone's like wow this dude really won that game in like 55 seconds it's ridiculous so that's why federer loves the slower courts Uh, i mean the faster courts and he's also an all-around player so federer can play on the clay but lately he hasn't because it's very grueling on the body the clay court it's a lot slower you play more long hours. It, it's really rough on your feet. So anyways, and then for Djokovic, he's really good on the hard courts. The hard courts are, how do I explain? They're, they're like medium paced, I would say, right? They're like a normal tennis court you play on in high school or college. It's just normal ground, normal fitting for every player. That's how I really explain it. And Djokovic is really good at those medium pace and fast paced courts as well. Um, so that, that's where he really has that dominance um, on those hard courts, I would say. That's why he's so good in the U.S. Open, and that's why he's so dominant in Melbourne. He plays well in hot temperatures, Novak, is one thing I've noticed. And if you notice, Australian Open, he's got eight slams. Australia in January is super hot. It's super warm. The other crazy thing is during the Australian Open – There's so many heat advisories during the tournament because of how hot it is. But Novak loves playing the heat. And that's why a lot of the top players, like Federer and all, they'll ask, oh, can we play in the night? It's so hot and muggy because they're older. But Novak thrives in the heat. That's why I think some of his success is so well um, appointed because of how well he manages the heat. As far as um, the titles go, Djokovic statistically is the greatest player of all time, I have to say analytics data shows us Djokovic is the greatest he's got 58 total titles there's not a flaw in his game right I mean if you look at it he's got everything right he doesn't lack anywhere he's got 36 master 1000s he's got five ATP finals 17 grand slams Nadal on the other hand he's got 20 grand slams but where this debate hurts Rafa for being the GOAT is the clay courts it's not only a pro, it's a con for Rafa. Rafa, unfortunately, at the end of the career, will not be known as an all-around talent. You cannot have 13 out of your 20 Grand Sams be in one specific service. That shows over a large period of time in your career, you were not dominant on any other court. You really weren't. And that's why a lot of Rafa fans might be upset by this. Everyone says, oh, he beats Federer all the time. He's got the head-to-head. But guess what? Federer has beaten Nadal five out of the last six matches they've played. And they, he's blew him out. The only time Nadal won was on a clay French open court. So how can Rafa be the greatest of all time if he's not dominant on any other court? That's where I have an issue with Rafa. People saying Rafa's the GOAT. 13, two at Wimbledon. He's got, I think, one Australian, right? So that's 13-2. And he's got, I think, four U.S. Opens, if I'm not mistaken. I might be wrong, um, but it's either four or three. But he's not dominant, unfortunately. So that's where 
I think the Rafael Nadal comparison kind of ends because I just don't think he's competitive in the U.S. Open. He's won four, so I was correct. So that's where I have an issue when people say he's the greatest of all time. A lot of people say Federer. Federer is widely known to be the greatest player of all time. But unfortunately, what hurts Federer's case is pretty obvious. He has a losing record to Djokovic and Nadal. And that's where people are going to be like, all right, how is Federer really the GOAT if he's literally lost? He has a losing record to two of the three guys. And I agree. That is a big, big metric to look at and be like, you know what? Man, it's it's crazy. Um, and also, Federer has won only 28 master events, um, which is going to hurt him in the past. He's won 103 ATP titles the most, the second most, or the most. Um, so, I mean, his win, and Nadal, if you look at his win percentage against his two rivals, he is 53%, 53% and beats out Djokovic 52. Federer's overall win percentage against the against Djokovic and Nadal is 43%. I argue that Federer's prime years was 2004 and 2010. And Djokovic's really peak is from 2011 to 2015, where they met 25 times during Djokovic's really peak years, I would say. So from 2004 to 2010, if you look at the 19 meetings, Federer won 13 times. Um, from 11 to 15, Djokovic won 16 of their 25 times. And, and if we're going to take the peak primes, Federer has his six years, right? And Djokovic has his four Federer won 68% of the time. Djokovic won 64. So, you know, and I would say Nadal's peak years are from really 2008 and 2011 where he's being Federer. He became number one. Um, but, yeah, if you look, Nadal's rivalry with Djokovic has, has been very even um, throughout the years. While Nadal and Federer has been one-sided, but it is getting back to – I think he's eight matches away. It's like 23-15, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, I personally think we cannot say who the GOAT is yet. It's really hard to say because Federer keeps surprising the hell out of everyone, correct? You know, he is surprising everyone. So he comes back from an injury, right, in 2017. He beats Nadal. He out Nadal's Nadal on a fifth set, which never happens. It always looks like, you know, he he's uh he's losing it, but Federer ended up beating him. But also, I think Federer in this conversation, he beats himself up a lot, you know. He gives away a lot of cheap points for his ultra offensive game. But um it's it's true. Federer has been a choke job. A lot of these years, these last couple years, and that's going to also be something that's going to be looked in a in a uh, in a eyeglass. Like, how can we have someone who's choked so much? Like he's choked against Nadal multiple times in the big five set finals they've had. He's choked against Djokovic recently as a 2019. You had two match points and couldn't deliver the goods. And there's got to be something to say about Federer's mental game coming to the latter part of the year, because it's definitely like ruined 
a lot of his success. You know, Djokovic has stolen a lot of that success because of Federer's stupid mistakes, which he's done so much of. But there's also an argument to say he's 39 years old. Federer himself even said there's some days he wakes up and he probably doesn't feel good and he's gonna have a but he knows he's gonna have a bad match. The older you get, the body starts to hurt. So to really end discussion and this discussion, who is the goat? Who who is it? We cannot say, unfortunately, guys. We're just gonna have to wait. Federer's 39, Nadal's 34, Novak's 33. And only time will tell, I think. You know, but I wanted to really talk about this to give you that exterior. Like, these three gentlemen are the greatest players I've ever seen and watched in my lifetime. And if there's one thing I can say today to everyone watching this, uh, listening to this, I should say not watching, Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic are the greatest players of all time. There is no doubt about it. No one is better. And at the end of it, even whoever surpasses the other there will always be an argument that their careers overlap, their primes overlap, so we can't say who's better than the other. But these three names will be edged in history forever together, I believe. So anyways, guys, that was my break breakdown of the GOAT debate. And it's still not finished. It's a TBD, to be honest. So that's what I feel. They are going to be enshrined together forever as of right now. So anyways, guys... Thanks for coming on. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the podcast. Thank you guys so much for the support. Really appreciate it. And once again, it's your boy, Nathan Rapaka. Have a good day. Bye-bye.